Everyone feeling good this morning? Hey, thank you. So um, I, I also, I want to also welcome you. So if, it, if it's your first time here today, I understand how you feel. This is my first time and it's a privilege to be here with you. I'm really grateful for this opportunity and so thank you. So my name's Scott. The way that I met Pastor Sam is I actually travel and do what's called uh, Strengths Finder. So I uh, travel and have an opportunity to teach people um, really to discover the beauty that's within them and, and the potential and, and to help them unleash that. And, and so that's one of the things that I love to do. My wife, Sarah, can't be here today and our little baby, Evie, they're actually, my wife is teaching preschool at the faith community that we're a part of this morning. But thank you for having me here today. And I know you guys have been going through a conversation through Ecclesiastes. Uh, what we're going to do today, it's, uh, we're not going to continue with that today. Pastor Sam, when he comes back next week, we'll continue that conversation but this morning I wanted to just take a few moments to look at a story that I love from the scriptures. Now, have you ever been in a room with somebody who said something that it made everyone in the room angry? <laughs> have you? And from judging from your, uh, your response, I can say yes, probably. Or have maybe you've been the one, you know, who said something and, and people just didn't take it well. It was controversial. Now, when you read through the scriptures over and over and over again, Jesus steps into these situations and says things that are extremely controversial, controversial, extremely courageous things that he says that sometimes people take very well, but then sometimes people, it actually causes them not only to hate him, but to try to end his life. And uh, this morning, what I want to do is take a look at one of what is called an I am statement. Okay, so in the book of John, if you want to go ahead and turn to the book of John, we'll get there in a few moments. But there are a group of statements where Jesus actually comes out and says, hey, I am, and then he fills in the blank. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. You know, he says, I'm the good shepherd, I'm the gate. Do you know any other I am statements? Not everybody wants, oh yeah, I am the, what's that? Yeah, the bread of life, yes. He says, uh, I am the light. And the one that we're going to look at today is, I am the light. When Jesus makes these statements, he's not just coming out and just saying something that doesn't matter. He's actually saying something extremely controversial. How many of you guys saw the movie Prince of Egypt? Yeah, seven of us? Okay, great, yeah. It actually wasn't a horrible film, but it's about the story of Moses. And so to give a little bit of back story to what, what we're going to look at today, let me just kind of go back really quick and spend a few moments talking about this incident that happened with Moses. So you remember Moses is out. He's, um, Moses is actually working um, as a shepherd. He's spending time out in the middle of nowhere. He's actually trying to hide. And as he's out there, do you remember uh, that there's a bush that catches on fire? And, uh, you know, which isn't necessarily a strange thing in the desert. The weird part is that the bush starts talking to him. Okay, and I don't know if you can imagine that. Okay, I'm sure maybe some of you have experienced that in college, I guess. But, but for most of us, no, we've never experienced anything like that. And so it does. It starts to talk to him. The bush actually says, you know, where you're standing is holy ground. What it is is it's God speaking to Moses through this bush. And, and as Moses approaches, um, the bush basically says, I am God. And I recognize that the people of Israel have been in, uh, imprisoned. And I am asking you, I'm actually giving you an opportunity to be the leader and to step in and to go to speak to the Pharaoh. I want you to actually go to the Pharaoh and tell the Pharaoh, let my people go. And you remember what Moses says. At first, it's kind of like, no, no, I, no, of course not. 
And he says a lot of things, you know, I mean, he says, um, I can, I don't speak well, you know, um, there's other guys that would do way better than that. That's not really my skill set, you know, um, I, and I, maybe that's just not what I want to do. I don't want to lose my life. The Pharaoh could kill me. He says a lot of these kind of things, but God says, no, you are the one. And then Moses says something to God or asks him this question, which I think is a great question. He says, um, what do I tell people when they ask me who it is that actually has sent me? So if the Pharaoh or, you know, if the Israelites want to know who is it that spoke to me, what do I tell them? I mean, what is your name? And you remember what God says. God says, I am. It's a kind of an interesting statement. We would expect there to be something after that. But what God says is, I am. And what he's trying to really, and not what he's trying, what he's actually getting across is, I'm everything. You know, I'm the foundation. I'm, I'm everything that this world is built on. I created you. I designed you, I have a plan for you. So when you go back, tell them that I am sent you. So you can imagine then that when Jesus uses the phrase I am, he's not just, you know, out for a stroll, just not thinking about what he's going to say, and he just says, I am this, I am that. Jesus is intentionally trying to tell people that I am God. You're starting to wonder who I am, I am God. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go ahead and look in uh, John chapter 8. Here in a, uh, just a moment. Let me go ahead and open us up in a time of prayer, and then we'll hop right in, okay? God, I thank you for this beautiful day. And I thank you for every individual that's here today. And, and God, uh, before we even really begin, Lord, I just pray for our hearts. And I know how easy it is to step into these spaces on Sundays and, and to just go through the motions and and God, not that we don't enjoy what we're doing, but it's so easy to just um, get so caught up in life that we never take a moment to pause and actually reflect about where we are and who we are and who you are. So God, I just ask for a moment, God, that we would just be able to take a deep breath, just really stop and just ask you, God, do you have anything that you might be saying to us? And there might even be some here today, God, who who would just say, I, I don't even really know if there is a God. Lord, I just, I just pray that you would speak e to each one of our hearts. And God, that you'd reveal yourself to us. I thank you for your scriptures. Lord, I thank you for your son Jesus, who died for us, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So in John chapter 8, how's everyone doing? Are you guys, you feel like you've got some good energy going? You guys okay? I need some energy. I love energy. So... Um, I was supposed to already seen that. Okay, in John chapter 8, here's what happens. And this is kind of like a, something that maybe you can really relate to. When you look back in the scriptures, after Moses, he, he ended up going to the Pharaoh, and he ended up saying to the Pharaoh, let my people go. And you remember, like, he had to go back over and over and over again. And the Pharaoh kept saying, no, no, no. And so God would send all these curses. And then finally... The Pharaoh said, fine, get out of here. You're trouble, and I don't want you here anymore. And so Moses got all of the Israelites together, and he started to march them out into the wilderness. They didn't know where they were going to go. They had no idea. They just knew every step of the way God was going to direct them. And it's amazing. When you read through the scriptures, every one of the Israelites used, they only had one pair of shoes or sandals each for all 40 years that they were in the desert. And there's scriptures that actually talk about uh, God actually trying to remind them, don't you remember, I kept you in the desert with one pair of sandals for 40 years. I can take care of you. And God actually during the day would lead them with a pillar of clouds. At night he would uh, ignite this pillar of fire and that would lead them. 
And, and God, the reason that God, um, what, what ended up happening as we kind of enter into this moment is this story takes place during a time that's called the Festival of Booths. Have you guys ever heard of that? I had never heard of it either, so yeah, no worries. I had never heard of it until I started reading for this. What happened was God wanted to say, look, I don't want you to forget about what I did for you in the desert. Do you guys notice like how easy it is? Um, we go through like very difficult times in our life where we wonder like, how am I going to get through this? How will I get through the next day? And then you get through it, and then you just totally even forget about what that whole process was like. Then the next time it happens, you freak out again. You know, do you know what I'm saying? Do you ever feel that like where you, you have a bill that comes in and you think, oh my gosh, the sky is falling. How am I going to pay for this? Well, it happened last month. Bills come every month, you know? And last month you prayed and said, God, please, like, will you, will you help me in this moment? And, and will you take care of me? And God provided somehow. And you're still alive today. And yet when the next situation comes up, it's so easy to forget. And so what God did is he created a bunch of festivals where he said, look, I don't want you to forget. I did things with you and I did things with, your gen- with the people that are, are your ancestors that truly, truly were miraculous. And the, the nature, like the natural part for us as humans is that we'll just forget. And maybe for a moment, just take a few moments and just think, what are some of the things that God has actually done for you in your life? Are there moments that God has shown up? has actually stepped in in a moment where you needed him and he's actually shown up. And perhaps one of the greatest things you could do would just be to take some way and create a moment where you can actually remember those things. And so God created these things called festivals. And one was called the Festival of Booths. And what he would do is he would say, okay, I want every person in Israel to not live in your house for an entire week. You're going to build a makeshift tent outside and you're going to sleep in it, okay? Every day, you're going to party and have fun and enjoy yourself in that tent. But what do you think the reason that God wanted them to do that was? What is he trying to get them to remember? Say it louder, guys. I can't hear you. Absolutely. Because he'd say, you ended up living in the desert for 40 years. You had to live in tents. Uh, Your ancestors had to live in tents. And so I don't want you to forget. So every year, they'd come back and they'd all live in tents to remember. And they actually, they still do this here in the States. They do it all over the world. There's still something, like you can go into Manhattan, into Los Angeles, all over the world during the Festival of Booths in October. People uh, that are Jewish continue to do this. They'll build tents outside of their homes and they'll sleep there during night. And they'll stay there as long as they can during the day. And so during the Festival of Booths, also they would, every night, they would set a light, a gigantic fire in the middle of the city that would illuminate the entire city. What do you think that represented? Yeah, the fire at night. And so that's the backdrop for the story. And I know a lot of you are like glazed over at this point going, is this a history lesson? No, it's not. I just think this is really cool to hear all this. So here's where we're at. Jesus comes in, okay? And this is in John chapter 8. And in verse 12 it says this, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Does it give you a little bit more context when you realize that Jesus says to these people, I am the light of the world. And just think for a moment, what might he be meaning when he's telling people, I'm the light? You don't have to yell it out, but just be thinking, what might he be saying? Okay? Then it says that the Pharisees challenged him. Here are you. 
Or here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. And Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you have no idea where you come from or where... Or you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. And then skip down to verse 57. Because here's what happens. Jesus starts saying, I am God. And then the, the, uh, the uh, Pharisees go, wait, you can't be God. You're not even... You're like, you're really young, and are you, you're saying that you, are, you could be God. You haven't even been around very long. You haven't even been around as long, like Abraham was years ago. Are you saying that, you know, you came before Abraham? Right? So they're saying, you can't be God. It's impossible. And then here's what it says. They say, you are not yet 50, old, 50 uh, years old. This is verse 57. The Jews said to him, and you've seen Abraham? And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was born, I am. How controversial would that be? I'll tell you how. Let's just read this next line. It says, yeah, at this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself slipping away from the temple grounds. So at this moment, Jesus has said something that's not just minor. You know, it's not just something that they can go, oh, well, it's okay. I mean... He has just taken everything that they know and turned it on its head. He stood up and he said, listen, you wonder who I am. You've seen me do miracles. I'm telling you right now, I am, I am. I am the light. I was here before Abraham. I designed the world. I designed you. You see me, you've seen God. Now just think, how do you think religious people would have taken something like that? The religious leaders of the day. Now, what, what would their impression be? What's that? Yeah? Don't believe him? Angry? Why are they angry? What's that? Because he claimed to be God? Absolutely. And, and so here's this moment where Jesus is actually, you know, standing and doing this. And then it's cool. He goes on to the next chapter in chapter 9. And I love this. It says, as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So just really quick, what's happening is the disciples, there were a lot of discussions about, hey, what is it that causes suffering in the world? Right? And so the disciples are saying, hey, who do we blame for this suffering? Just help us out here. And then Jesus comes down and he says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming. Remember, as long as it is day, he's saying, as long as the light of the world is here, as long as I'm here. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And then this is just crazy that he did this, okay? It says, having said this, Jesus spit on the ground. Sounds kind of strange, right? Made some mud with his saliva, put it on the man's eyes, and he said, Go. Wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So go wash in the pool of scent. And so the man went and he washed and he came home seeing. How cool is that? He went, he did what Jesus told him to do, and it says he came home seeing. A man who's been born from, uh, blind from birth. And then it says this, his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, wait, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? And some claimed that he was. Others said, no, 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 he only looks like that guy. But he himself insisted, no, I am that man. 
How then were your eyes open, they demanded. And he replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes, and he told me to go to Siloam and wash. And so I went and I washed, and then I could see, where is this man, they asked. And he said, I don't know. How do you think you would respond if you experienced this in your life? If you could see a miracle like this, how would you respond? What do you think? You tell everybody? Yeah? Talk to me. What do you think? Guys, you're free to yell it out. It's totally um, good manners. You're fine. What do you think? What's that? No, yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I would love to think that that would be my response. But it's weird because whenever I read through the scriptures, people respond in ways that I go, why would they do that? They just saw something great. But what happens is other things get in their way. And you have this group of Pharisees. Here's what happens. It says that the Pharisees brought the man who had been blind. And now on the day which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. And therefore the Pharisees who also asked him how he had received the sight. He put mud on my eyes and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, listen to what they said. This man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. So here's what's happened, guys. On the Sabbath, they have all these rules of things you're not allowed to do. So the Sabbath is the holy day. You're not allowed to spit on the ground. That's the first one, okay? Jesus did that. You're not allowed to make clay on the Sabbath, okay? When he spit on the ground and, and put the spit in the mud or in the dirt, it created this mud and this clay. You're not allowed to do that. You can't heal on the Sabbath. Isn't that crazy? Now, these aren't rules that God designed. Who designed these rules? Right, and they, and they created these rules with good intentions, okay? They created these rules because God had said to them, honor the Sabbath. I want you to actually respect the Sabbath. Take rest. God rested. God created you on the sixth day, and then on the seventh day he rested. So don't just, um, don't just work seven days a week, but enjoy your life. Take time away. And then the Pharisees said, okay, in order to follow that, let's build rules around that. So let's make sure, let's just know how far can you walk on the Sabbath. They had certain rules about that. You can't walk a certain distance. You can't journey. Jesus sent this man to a pool to go there and back. So that's another way that he broke the Sabbath. So Jesus, in just one move, has broken the Sabbath left and right. And instead of these guys looking and seeing how amazing it is that a man receives sight, they get caught up on the rules and regulations. They get caught up on, oh, he can't be God because he didn't operate the way that we would expect him to operate. He broke religious rules. Now, I know it's easy to villainize Pharisees. I think when we naturally, you know, read about Pharisees in the scriptures, you should have, like, music that comes on, you know, that's like, dum-dum-dum, you know? But they're... There is some, there, this is coming from another place. In their minds, it's coming from a good place. Why would they feel this way? Why would they get so upset that Jesus broke all of these rules on the Sabbath? They didn't want to believe in him? What's that? They were afraid? What would they be afraid of? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. See, here's something, and I think we can all relate to this. One of the things that happens sometimes is when we, we're able to create a facade, create a religion, create something that covers up what truly lies beneath. 
It's so easy. It's so easy to hide behind religion. It's so easy to hide behind rules. It's easy to hide behind excuses. It's easy to put up some type of facade and just walk around as if everything is great and beautiful. And what the Pharisees are faced with here in this moment is Jesus, remember he says, I'm the light. Jesus is stepping into their life and he's illuminating what is truly at the core of their hearts. In this moment, Jesus is standing before them and saying, listen, I see even that which is hidden. God recognizes even that which is hidden. Think of all the effort you and I put into hiding and putting on a facade. Think of all the work we put in to creating some type of outward appearance so that we can present ourselves in public and we can be good people. Think of all the hard work that we put in to making sure no one knows the junk that's there. The thing that scares the Pharisees would scare us too. I mean, imagine somebody who comes in and says, I, I see you. I see you, not just what you're saying, but, but I recognize your heart. I know you, and I'm God. How would you respond if you came face to face with Jesus? And so it's incredible in this moment. Sorry, guys, with the sound. That's my bad. I think I probably put this on incorrectly. Um, how, how would you respond? And so what's unbelievable is that these Pharisees, instead of stopping and even asking whether or not they could possibly be wrong, they start pushing in more. Think, isn't it amazing how much we're willing to fight to keep our facade up? We're willing to fight to be right. And so here's what happens. It says, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? And so they were divided. And finally they turned again to the blind man. They said, what have you to say about this guy, Jesus? It was your eyes that he opened. And then the man replied, he's a prophet. The Jews still did not believe that he had been born blind and they had received, let's see, uh, his, and that he had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it now that he can see? And then they come and they say, we know that he's our son, the parents answered. We know that he was born blind, but how he can see, we don't even know. Ask him. He's of age, he'll speak for himself. And his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. Anyone who said that Jesus was who he said he was would be excommunicated out of the community. That is why his parents said he is of age. So a second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. And he replied, well, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know is that I was blind, but now I see. So I hear all of the stuff you guys are saying, but I woke up this morning blind. I woke up every morning of my life blind. I did what he told me to do, and now I see. And then he says, then he asked him, well, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he said, I, look, I've told you and you did not listen. Why, why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Isn't that fun? So he, he probably has no like religious training, but he's beginning to actually school 
you know, these people that are extremely, extremely religious. And then they hurled insults at him and they said, you are this fellow's disciple. Or we are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And the man answered, well, that's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. And we know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And then to this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lectured us? Isn't it amazing the fight that's there? Uh, how aggressively they're standing up and fighting against Jesus. And yet Jesus' moment as he comes into this situation in this festival of booths is to stand there with probably, imagine that the light, imagine this is at night and, and the lights, you know, of the city, you know, are actual, or that big light that's lit is, is lighting up the entire city. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Think, what are some of the things that Jesus means when he says, I'm the light? That I illuminate that I bring out that which is hidden. How, how do you feel? Can you think of any times where something you've been trying to hide was actually made, uh, you know, made public? Um, not long ago, and this is embarrassing to tell the story, guys, um, but not long ago I was running errands, and I was in a hurry. And you know how it is when you've got, like, the, the honeydew list, and you've got to get it finished. And so I pull into the post office, and I'm just about to turn in to the parking lot, and it's the, the, one of those kind of turn-ins where there's traffic coming this way, and I'm wanting to turn left into the post office. I'm officially really in line to get into the post office, but cars coming this way don't know it, okay? So they're starting to... There's plenty of room for me, but then all of a sudden, all of these cars are coming. They start stacking up to go into the post office, and they don't even recognize me, okay? They don't even see me there. How do you think I started to feel? You ever been there? Yeah, I was angry. I was like, wait, just look at me, guys. Look, I've been here. Well, somebody finally was really, really kind, and they, they said they kind of waved me in. But in order for me to pull into the post office, I had to pull in front of the person in front of them. And he didn't get the message. <laughs> and I pulled in, and have you ever done that deal where you're driving, and you know somebody's trying to pull in, you pretend you don't see them? You've all done it. You've done it and people have done it to you, okay? It doesn't make it right, but we've done it. Well, he did that to me, okay? And I'm sitting here, I'm just like, are you kidding me? I know you see me, my bumper's almost touching yours, and, and come on. And so this is in a moment that it's not something I'm proud of, but I rolled my window down, his was down, and I said sarcastically, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you. I did. I was on the phone with my wife. It was on Bluetooth, by the way. We were, I wasn't breaking that law. But she was like, hey, I'm going to hang up right now. I'm just going to let this go. And then he goes sarcastically back to me, you don't pull in front of other people. And I said, I was here first. And he goes, no, you weren't. I was here first. You don't pull in front of other people. I'm going to pull in right now. And I was angry and livid. Have you ever had those kind of situations where it's like, where is this coming from? And so as we were pulling into the parking lot, I saw a parking space and I pulled in as fast as I could because I wanted to beat him into the parking or into the uh, post office. I know I did. And it's 
And so I did. I pulled in. I got out of the car and I ran into post office and I got in before he did. I got in line. And then he came in and he walked over and I was standing in line and, and we made eye contact and it was kind of one of those, I got in. You know, the world is as it should be, you know? But then have you ever had those moments where there's like a voice that is as clear as day in your heart? And what's that? <laughs> oh, no, yeah. Have you ever had those moments? And so I'm standing there, and I have this, this real uh, dilemma where I really feel like God is, is asking me on my heart, where did that come from? Uh, why did you just do that? Uh, you're a pastor? That shouldn't even matter, though. It should be that way for everyone who's a follower of Jesus. But those are the things I start hearing in my heart. It's, it's like, um, you're better than he is? So you, you feel like everyone in this world should bend over backwards to make sure you get what you need? And I start feeling this, like, where on earth did that come from? And I'm ashamed. Um, I'm hurt. And so I stepped out of line and I turned back to him. And there, there was a battle inside of me. Because I was thinking, no, don't do it. But I turned back to him and I just said, look, I, I'm sorry. That was totally my fault. Even though I knew I was there first, guys. Okay? But I, I, I said to him, and I didn't say that. I didn't say that part. <laughs> yeah. I just said, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I treated you that way. And um, I, yeah, I'm sorry. And he just said, I'm sorry too. And we shook hands. And it was one of those moments where I, I can clearly see the illumination, God's illumination on my soul. See, the scriptures say in Psalm 139, for you've searched me and you know me. This is God talking to us. You know when I sit, you know when I rise. You can see my thoughts from afar. Before a word is on my mouth, you know it, God. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Anywhere I go, you are there. And when Jesus says, I am the light, in that moment, what Jesus is saying is, listen, I am calling you to live in the light. I'm calling you out of the darkness. I'm calling you to step forward and to stop hiding, and to stop putting on some type of facade, some type of uh, religious facade, or some type of facade that allows you to look good in front of others. And I'm just saying to you, I already see who you are, and I'm calling you into a life that's lived out in the open. It doesn't mean Jesus is saying, I want you to only live perfectly. Now that's his hope for us. But just think of how easy it is to just hide. How many things do you have in your life right now that you don't want anyone to know about? How many things just pop up every once in a while? Attitudes and character issues and the way you say things to your children or the way you say things to your husband or your wife. How many times do those things pop up and you just push it back down because it, that's not me, you know, that, that just came out. And, and yet I think so often it is that those things come out because there's a root there's something that's deeply there. And most often we'll fight to the death to hide it. We will fight with everything in us to prevent it from coming into the open. Because we don't want to ever, ever 
ever address the possibility that we need to change or that we don't have it figured out. And as Jesus is speaking, and what I love so much, the reason Jesus is able to say controversial things is that when he says this, even when he speaks to the Pharisees, he speaks out of love. Jesus loves these people who are obstinate against him. He cares about them. He knows what's at the core of them. And the sad thing is, these individuals have been waiting for Jesus to come. The problem is, he doesn't look the way that they expected him to look. So you imagine that they have this interaction where it's God saying, pleading with them, open your heart to me. Just give yourself to me. The freedom you long for, the purity you long for, the life you long for is, is right here. Will you not see it? Or are you blind? And so here's what happens. Just, and we'll, we'll close out. It's verse 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, this um, blind man. And then they said, when they found him, Jesus said to the blind man, do you believe in the son of man? And the blind man said, who is he, sir? Tell me that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. He says, hey, I'm the one that is the son of man. I'm God. And then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And then Jesus said, for judgment I've come into this world. So that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. And some Pharisees who were with him heard him and say this, and they ask, just listen to what they ask. What, are you saying we're blind too? And Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. What does that mean? What does Jesus mean when he says, since you claim you can see, your guilt remains? What's Jesus, what is he trying to say to these guys? And yell it out, feel free. Yeah, you guys can at any point. What do you think? What's he saying? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Isn't that, yeah, you're absolutely right. They're in denial. They, they are blind but they're not willing to admit it. Isn't it amazing, guys, that, that they truly feel that they're in the right? They're, they're the most unteachable people. What is it that makes us unteachable? Yeah. I can't be wrong. Would you be willing to give your life to Jesus even if it meant actually admitting that there are areas in your life that you're wrong. I think what's amazing is that the truth is right there and it can't be seen. Have you ever been in a situation where you're searching for something that you know is right there? It's like, I can almost feel it. It's got to be around here somewhere, but you just can't find it. Yesterday I was teaching a, a group of students and I did something I've never done before, but it was, it was actually pretty cool. Um, I told the kids, I said, okay, hey guys, what I want you to do right now is I need you to tell me how old my dad is. Okay. They've never met my dad. He lives in Florida, okay? That's all I said to them. 
And they responded pretty much the way you're responding to me right now. It's like, what are you talking about? What would you do if I asked you that? Tell me how old my dad is. Yep, you'd guess. You know, you'd say, how old are you, Scott? And I'd say, what I told them, I'm not going to tell you. Yep. And then they'd say, well, is he 43? And I'd say, look, I'm not taking guesses. I want you to tell me. And for 10 minutes, we fought, basically, in this room, where they kept saying, well, you won't tell us anything. And they said, um, uh, will you tell us, like, um, uh, what, how old is your mom? I'm not telling you. And they finally got to the point to where they were like, we're sick of this. We are sick of this. We don't want to do this anymore. And I said, push in on this. And they said, no, well, you won't tell us anything. I said, you haven't asked the right question yet. You give up so easily. What is it? Why won't you push in? And finally a kid goes, can we use your cell phone? And I said, yes, you can. And so he said, give it to me. And so I gave him my cell phone and he called my dad. <laughs> yes, he called my dad and, and my dad said, hey, I'm 54. Easy. You were going to say 55? You were so close. But still wrong. No, I'm kidding. I'm just... And sometimes, sometimes in our lives, we do not see what is clearly there. There are opportunities there. There are uh, things that, that God has prepared for us. There is a way for us to see this world, and, and yet we can't physically see it around us, and so we just imagine it doesn't exist. When the bill comes this week, and you look in your bank account and go, I don't know how it's going to work out. Is it possible that God lives in a completely different reality than we do and that there's more resources in the world that are at your disposal than you actually realize there are. And yet the nature is to live like we're blind and we uh, live as if all we can experience is what's right here around us. And when Jesus comes in by illuminating everything and saying, look, God owns everything. The world is his. You are his. God already knows what's at the core of your heart. Give your life to him. Give your life to me. And so the question then this morning would just be this, like, how then do you live in the light? And I think the truth, I know the truth, I'm convinced that it's actually recognizing who Jesus is and making a committed statement in which you say, Jesus, I want to open up my life to you. I'm tired of hiding. Are you tired of hiding? Are you tired of having so much stuff that you feel like you've got to manage and push down instead of just actually being able to live in the freedom of saying, yeah, I'm, I'm sinful, like I, I'm disobedient, I mess up. But Jesus knows that. It's in the, it's in the light. It's open. And I just, I've given my life to him. I think the next thing is, is community. I think a huge part of living in the light means being willing to actually open up yourself to other people. Now, it's not just your typical accountability group because you're a typical accountability group. You're only going to be as accountable as you want to be. Okay? What I'm saying is, are there people in your life that you can truly open your heart to and you can truly share who you are? And this morning, those are the two things I'd love to ask. First, have you given Jesus your life? Have you opened up your heart? And the second is, are there individuals that you can 
go to and say, listen, I, I want to begin that conversation. I want to begin that process with you. And so this morning, if, if you're here and you say, look, I don't even know what it looks like to begin a relationship with God. I'd, I'd love to talk with you this morning. It's, it's actually not a, um, an equation. It's actually as simple as just admitting, just saying, I'm, I don't have it all figured out. I am disobedient. I have messed up. But I believe that Jesus is who he said he is. And I give him control of my life. That's as easy as it is. And this morning, if that's something that you'd want to do or even just have a conversation about, I'm going to hang out. I'd love to talk with you. And then if there are people that you need in your life, then I'd love to even pray with you. Because maybe you don't even know who those people could be right now, but I'd love to pray with you just that God would bring opportunities into your life, that you could have people that you could be transparent with. Do you mind praying with me? Hey, God, this morning I... I just thank you so much, Lord. I know we say it a lot that we, you know, we're thankful for your grace. But God, I, I truly say this and I mean it, God. I thank you for the way that you overlook so much because you care for us and you love us. And God, the, the worst thing that could ever happen would be that, that we would not even recognize that you're coming to us, that you're calling us to a higher level of life, that you're actually wanting to make us pure. The worst thing, God, would be to, to not even know that that's possible and to go through life feeling like we've got to have it all figured out and, and pushing down the things that, that need to just be dealt with. And God, if there are things on our lives today that, that just keep coming to the surface, I ask that you would put us in places, Lord, where we'd be humble enough, where our pride would be pushed away, where we'd be willing to say, I'm not going to wait for this to get worse. I have, to, I have to deal with this now. And God, I thank you so much for salvation. I thank you for being a God who looks at us as beautiful works of art, Lord, that you can sculpt and mold, Lord, and that you've created us in a way that we can actually make a difference in the lives of others. Lord, I love you so much. It's in your name I pray. Amen. And guys, um, before I leave, I just wanted to share real quick. There's a very good friend of mine, and I'm not going to share his name. Um, actually, I will. His name's Anthony. Um, but about three years ago, Anthony had realized that he had a pornography addiction. And he... The natural thing, and what happens usually in society is it's like, I'm going to wait, you know, you wait until you get caught, and then you're sorry, and then all your life falls apart. But Anthony actually realized all the things that we've just talked about, and before anybody actually had even had any kind of conversation with him, before anything had ever been brought into the light, Anthony brought it to the light himself. And it was the hardest decision he's ever had to make. But it's beautiful to see the way that our community it came around Anthony. And he had other things that he was dealing with. And as a community, we came and we actually um, invested in him. And the reason I bring that up is I just really want to kind of encourage you, don't wait until the things you push down destroy you or until you're forced into a corner 
to where you have to bring it to the light? Because you will someday be pushed into that corner. Don't wait. Find somebody and just say, like, these are the things I deal with. I need help. I don't want it to be a secret anymore. So thank you guys so much for having me here this morning. And I'll be here. I'd love to have a conversation with you. And it doesn't even have to be about this. I'd just love to get to know you more. Thank you for having me. And God bless you. Um, God bless you. Live in the light. Thank you.